0: There's been a lot of talk lately about when we will see the FDA give full approval to the COVID-19 vaccines. And that got us wondering, what exactly is the difference between the emergency use authorization that the vaccines have been distributed under and full approval? How does the process work? Is not having full approval hurting vaccination efforts? To talk about this, we caught up with Dr. Charles Karen. He is the Walter H. and Leonore Annenberg Dean and Senior Vice President of Medical Affairs at Drexel University's College of Medicine. Really interesting conversation. Give a listen. So to start, I mean, I think it's kind of self-evident, but just to kind of set a baseline for our conversation, the difference between FDA emergency use authorization of something like the COVID-19 vaccine as opposed to FDA full approval kind of contrast them for me.
1: Well, there are two essential ways that the FDA can make vaccines available to people in the United States. One is through the emergency use authorization. And this is a process wherein the FDA evaluates data on a product, in this case, vaccines, and authorizes its emergency use for a particular period of time to a very select patient group. Full FDA approval means that it's undergone all the regulatory requirements for full FDA approval, which means not only understanding how something was manufactured and where it was done and all the processes behind it. But of course, looking at all those data that are necessary to show that something is safe and effective.
0: How unusual is the use of emergency use authorization?
1: You know, it's relatively unusual. Um, And clearly there has to be a context that would justify its use. And in this case, the COVID-19 pandemic was deemed to be one of those situations.
0: Does emergency use, and I think you may have referenced this early in your answer, does it expire at a certain point? Is there a certain point where that is revoked or it automatically goes to full approval? Uh, is there a time frame on emergency use?
1: My understanding is that emergency use authorization should be for a limited period of time. But as to having a specific time frame, I don't believe that's the case. Um, certainly, there hasn't been any discussion about that for the current COVID-19 vaccines. It is a separate process and potentially can be parallel uh, process for full FDA approval. So there is a distinction there. And once you get into the full FDA approval cycle, then there are some regulatory deadlines.
0: Now this is one of those things I think most of the public had no idea that either of these things existed until the COVID-19 pandemic. So you get a lot of people talking about Why is this FDA full approval taking so long? Is this unusually long? Or once again, is it because we don't pay attention to this stuff and don't understand how it works, that it's going along its normal timeline?
1: (laughs) Probably a combination of all three. Um, I do think uh, that people uh, haven't been aware of this uh, because it frankly hasn't been a big issue uh, in the past. Um, One, we have this once in a century pandemic pandemic. Um, we have a totally novel or new uh, virus that's now circulating around the United States and the world. And so that's a very unusual event. Uh, the second one is is that we've had the opportunity to do something we couldn't do before, which was be able to recognize this new virus, do the genetic sequence or understand how the virus is put together within a month of its uh, disclosure, and then the new technology to develop vaccines literally within three months that allowed for a totally new vaccine against a new virus to be developed and started being tested so quickly. And I think those are all very unusual. I think the other component that makes it unusual is the fact that the vaccine production was scaled up so quickly. So not only was the vaccine developed quickly, It was authorized quickly, but the production's remarkable Uh, to have a billion doses, right, of an mRNA vaccine against COVID-19 all done within a year, year and a half, uh, is unprecedented. So I could see how people might uh, not be familiar with the various ways that vaccines are developed, how they're regulated, how they're authorized, and how they're approved.
0: All that being said, from what you know about the process, And I think we've started to hear some talk about this. When would you expect FDA full approval for? And I will say the COVID-19 vaccines, I will throw them all under the same umbrella. Uh, I would figure it would all kind of come relatively close to one another for all of them. But please correct me if I'm incorrect on that.
1: Well, it's a great question. And obviously, people should be asking uh, uh, that question. And uh, now that the vaccine has been so widely distributed, and frankly, so intensely studied, I do believe another unprecedented uh, aspect of the COVID-19 vaccines is how closely they've been studied, having almost universal Uh, A kind of registration of people who've gotten it in the United States. I'm a healthcare worker, so I received it in that first wave. And I'm still queried on how I'm doing, uh, looking for any side effects or or any changes due to the vaccine. This is something that's truly remarkable in terms of the depth and breadth uh, of the investigation of the uh, vaccine. So I think that given all that, uh, there's been a lot of data. And for example, Pfizer and BioNTech, that was the first vaccine to receive emergency youth authorization, had to submit a lot of data to the FDA. In addition, the FDA has also been receiving reports on the administration of the vaccine to all these individuals. And it's not just in the United States, it's wherever they receive it across the world. So there have been millions and millions of people now who've received this vaccine. And so the data needed uh, to assess things like efficacy or how well it works uh, against the vac- uh, against the virus, infections, and they've even extended it to things like keeping people out of the hospital or keeping people from dying. Now we have a lot of data over a fairly long period of time. So that process, though, for formal approval, so this is full FDA approval, does start with a submission of all that data in a format that's consistent with the regulations and that allows for full approval to be assessed. And that process started in May for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, and that was on May 10th. Um, there's also an expectation under a federal statute that that answer be received within six months. So you would then extrapolate that, um, that it should be done uh, within this time period. Now, obviously, there are some additional data requests. There has to be a certain period of time after it, it's administered to a certain population. And so the deadline, if you will, to get approval based on that submission is January of 2022. Um, my understanding of uh, the Moderna vaccine is that they have been putting in this information, but they're probably about a month or so behind the Pfizer time frame.
0: How much do you think not having full FDA approval is affecting the vaccination process in the country? And when I say that, we're kind of down to the nitty gritty. I think the pendulum has swung sp- very far from an access issue to a hesitancy or a complete rejection issue. I have seen some people use the fact that it's emergency authorization as a crutch as to why they're not going to get it. The cynical broadcaster in me thinks that if there was full approval, these people would find something else, a reason not to do it. But do you think there is any, for lack of a better term, damage being done to the vaccination Uh, process by not having full approval?
1: Well, I can tell you there are many healthcare providers um, that are urging the FDA to move quickly for um, full approval because they are concerned that some vaccine hesitancy may be associated with the fact that it didn't receive full approval. I think, though, that some of those uh, concerns may be more perceptions and educational than Uh, factual because the companies not only had to provide all this information in order to qualify uh, for the emergency youth authorization, but as I said, this has got to be the most studied vaccine ever. And it's been so widely distributed that we have really good signals on safety and and efficacy uh, of this vaccine. So I think it's really more uh, making sure that the FDA goes through the appropriate uh, full approval steps, because that's why people trust the FDA. And so no doubt, given that status the FDA has in regulating medicines, I'm sure there are plenty of people who would love to see that full approval, not only for the vaccine, but for any other medication. Having said all that, um, I think that we do need to address the issues of vaccine hesitancy. We have so many people who would benefit from getting the vaccine, um, and you're right. I don't think it's so much an access issue or a supply issue in the United States. It's really one uh, of getting those shots in the arms of, of people. And I think that we need to educate people, first of all, on health literacy. Uh, there's been so much misinformation on viruses, so much inform- misinformation on how vaccines work. And so we need to address some of those key issues. But there are also issues of trust. And I think we need to continue to reach out to those uh, communities that have legitimate concerns uh, about medical research and how it may have been a- applied to people they, they, they congregate with or identify with. And so I think we need to be proactive in that approach as well. But that should go a long way in terms of addressing some of the vaccine hesitancy. But this dis, this misinformation is one where it's really just straightforward. The science just doesn't support many of the claims that are being made.
0: With regards to where we are, and now we talk about, you know, it's we're kind of in the grind now of the vaccination effort. We've kind of had this Delta variant thrown in. You're starting, and I don't want to, it is not an apples to apples comparison, but... You're seeing some reports that kind of give you that eerie feeling of like we, when things started to go bad in the beginning, you know, places started to talk about wearing masks again, stuff like that. How concerned are you about where we are in the vaccination progress with what we're seeing with the spread of the Delta variant?
1: I think we would all like uh, to see more people vaccinated and quickly. I think that one of the things vaccines allow us to do is not only protect an individual uh, against the COVID-19 virus, but it really limits the number of people across the population the virus can spread uh, to and therefore have a chance of mutating. So all these variants are still COVID-19. They're just different forms. And the more opportunities the virus has to change and adapt to new conditions or new populations or new environments, the more likely you'll end up with a variant like Delta, which appears to be easier to spread and therefore could infect a broader population more quickly. So imagine if we get people immunized, they're protected against uh, covid then the opportunity for that virus to change to, in response to new environments or new people becomes markedly diminished because people just can't get as infected eas- as easily and therefore they can't spread it. And therefore the, all the mixing that occurs and self-selection of the virus for either ability to spread or to cause more severe disease goes away. So I think that the opportunity to actually change variants, both the emergence, the spread of the impact, could be directly related to increasing vaccinations. But of course, at this point, for those who aren't vaccinated, that's where the real risk is. You have a virus variant that is now more infectious, and if you're unvaccinated, you're much more likely to get it.
0: Back to the the full approval discussion. What are the types of things that would be red flags that might be snags in the process of getting to full approval And have you seen anything remotely close to anything like that during this as you talk about how studied these vaccines have been along, you know, this journey?
1: Well, I would say for the the Pfizer, BioNTech and the Moderna, I haven't seen any red flags. You know, clearly no vaccine is 100 percent effective. And so it's not surprising to hear that there are some people who get affected after getting the vaccine. It's heartening though to see people who have received the vaccine are much less likely to have symptoms, much less likely to be hospitalized, and very rarely die from the virus as opposed to those who are unvaccinated. That suggests the vaccine is working. The other issue is safety. Since this vaccine has been so carefully studied across a broad range of populations, there are going to be people who get reactions some of whom may just have coincidental disease, might be related to the vaccine, but better understanding that's gonna be difficult because it's been so rare. So it's general safety is utterly remarkable. And these are vaccines that have been now been given not only to populations across the United States, but to populations across the world. So I think from the safety and efficacy side, I haven't seen any of those red signals. Now, what about the other components? Well, there has to be a certain amount of time and people have to be studied. Again, I think that we're reaching those limits just because so many people have received it and we started giving this in December to a broad population, but it had been studied many months before that. Because remember, before it was had emergency youth authorization, people had to receive it as part of a clinical trial. And then the key things of manufacturing and consistency and labeling and distribution have been addressed, uh, or else we would have seen red flags in all those entities uh, before this time. So I don't see any major red flags uh, from the process, the information released, and the uh, experience across millions of people across multiple continents.
0: The idea of these mRNA vaccines and seeing these results that we have seen, and now knowing that this technology is starting to be used for other viruses, diseases, seeing where it can go. Just how exciting is that? That, as awful and heartbreaking as this pandemic has been, to see a weapon like this emerge in the battle for public health and stuff like that? How exciting is that?
1: It's unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. You know, the, the 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 technology is truly transformative. Um, the ability to be able to identify a virus so quickly, sequence out its genes so we know exactly what it looks like, and to be able to design a vaccine specific against that virus so quickly is unprecedented. I'll contrast this to the the last great pandemic. You know, the great flu pandemic in, you know, in 1918, they didn't even know what caused the pandemic. Viruses weren't able to be isolated or seen. And think about how far we've come in a century. But to see it applied so quickly to the benefit of so many people is utterly astounding. But I think your other point is this is a paradigm shift. We now have the ability to understand disease, understand these viruses and other infectious agents and directly intervene in people with a specifically designed treatment that appears to be safe and effective we might be changing the course of human the human condition through the work being done that led up to m r n a vaccines and its application in covid-19 it's very exciting that's it for this episode
0: of kyw news radio in depth You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.